you want to play a game? Better yet, would you like to design a game that helps your audience learn and retain information better? I'm sure that we would all love to do just that and deliver awesome results that are interactive and fun. But where do you begin when it comes to game design? And what should you be considering when it comes to goals, uh, facilitation, and maybe even your mindset? Well, today the nerds hope to answer these questions and more as we're joined by Mohsen Memon, an expert in game design for both individual and multiplayer ecosystems. And he's got some great stuff to share with us when it comes to thinking about and designing effective games for your learning endeavors. It's a fantastic episode. So let's get ready. Cue the music, everyone. They are the fabulous learning nerds. Because if you're tired of the old ways of getting it done, you've got the fabulous learning nerds. Scott and Dan are making it lots of fun. The best ideas that you've ever heard. So everybody spread the word. Everybody, welcome back to another fantastic episode of your fabulous learning nerds. I'm your host, Scott Judy, and you know what's coming. You know what's coming, don't you? He's here. He's back. You love him. Dan Coonrod. Dan the man. Oh, yeah. Dan. Hey, Scott. How you doing? Fair to Midland. I hit the gun on that one too fast, didn't I? You know, it's all right. So I um I've recently switched to a new company. I have a new team and uh somebody asked me what does that mean? And I'm like, fair to Midland? And they're like, yeah, what movie does that come from? And I'm like, no, that 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 doesn't. I don't think that's comes from a movie. I don't know where I picked it up. I just I just it's just something I say. Are, and uh Are you serious? Like, I'm doing okay. Yeah, I'm serious. Okay. All right. Well, um, you know, audience, what I would ask you to do is go ahead and uh, look up the meaning, the real meaning of Fair to Midland. I'm sure it's out there. I don't have the research to do it now. And then you can email us at learningnerdscast at gmail.com or provide some wisdom or provide a comment there. I think that would be a really nice add um, to the deal. But uh, you're enjoying life and having a good time, Dan. I am. I am. I am. That's right. And um, ball. Ball is here. I love the fall. Oh, it's gorgeous. It's oh. been amazing. The only thing I'm down here in Florida, everybody, we don't get um, the turning in the colors of the leaves, which I do miss. But everything else about fall is great. Um, and uh, well, we'll talk about Halloween another show. Um, that's a whole nother 40 minute topic. Oh, I'm so for excited. Me. Oh, oh, my family has made a list of like two dozen movies that we want to like just basically watch and run through. Uh, for Halloween. All right, we're going to have to talk about that after the show because yeah. everybody came here to learn about or hear about us talk about learning. And um, yeah, I want to learn about Halloween too. But, it, you know, help us out. We've got our good friend, uh, you love her, uh, Abby Dawson's with us. Abby. Hey there. So, are you a Halloween person? I am. I have you a three-year-old. Well, he's almost four. So you have to be, right? Yep. Uh, well, you don't have to be. You know what I'm saying? No, you have to be. <laughs> yeah, I think you do. All right. So how many kids do you get uh, each year during Halloween? You know, we've only been at this house a few years, and um, COVID kind of made it weird last year. Um, so we aren't quite sure. But I will say last year, we, we did the whole like 
candy at the end of the driveway on a table. And it was gone in like 45 minutes. So I don't know how much I need, but more than I had. Right. You know, uh, so obviously for the past few years, I've been living in an apartment with not a lot of kids. So we haven't had like any trick or treaters. And the place I just moved into is the only house on the street. It's in the middle of nowhere. Uh, definite horror movie vibes. Uh, so like, I, we're not going to have like any trick or treaters. And I'm a little bit sad. That is and sad. any trick or treaters I do yeah. have, I'm going to be super sus about. Yeah. <laughs> like, what are you doing here? <laughs> well, you yeah. can always come up to or come down to our house. We get about on average a thousand kids. So, yeah, it's about $100 worth of candy. And yeah, it's um, it's a lot of work, but I love it. Last year, we only got about 600 kids um, because of this COVID thing. Yeah. Well, I will tell you, too, our guest, Wendy Wyatt, we had months ago, who's wonderful. She's in my neighborhood and girl puts on a show. So. Oh. Oh, yeah. Halloween Wars? I'm feeling it. We got to get Wendy Wyatt back. We don't have Wendy Wyatt with us today, but we do have a very special guest, everybody. And I'm super, 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 can I say that enough, excited to talk about what we're going to talk about today. But first, let's get to know our special guest, Mohsen Memon, with a little segment we call, What's Your Deal? Hey, man. What's your deal? Mohsen. Hello. What's your deal, my friend? What's my deal? First, I got to comment on the Halloween stuff, man. I love Halloween. And, you know, as an immigrant kid, I grew up in in India and then came to the United States. And all of a sudden, I found out that there is one night in the year when you can just go out and get free candy. It was like (laughs) Christmas and all of the holidays combined into one. It was the most amazing, amazing day of the year or night of the year for me as a kid. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I don't know where people. that came yeah. from. Our podcast is now um, is now um, possessed or haunted. We have a haunted podcast oh today. It's the AI. Yeah. It knows the right right sound to play. So it, it knew it was <laughs> Which is scarier, a haunted <laughs> podcast or an artificial intelligence powered podcast? <laughs> Oh or this podcast, you know, I guess we could go there. <laughs> Mosin, help us out. Talk to us a little bit about yourself. What's your deal, my friend? Wow. Well, I'm a game designer. I build games for learning and I teach game design at a French design institute as well. And um, I've been doing it for the last six years. And prior to that, I've been in learning uh, facilitation, training programs and such. And um and yeah, I don't have a college degree. I did not spend a dime on college. Use my time and effort to build my skills in these areas. And, uh, and this is what I do. I just have a lot of fun every single day, uh, building games, testing games, playing games, and facilitating games. Abby's played one of my games, which is kind of what prompted me to be here. So very, very excited to yeah. be here with you guys here. Absolutely. It's a fabulous game. I can't wait to talk about it. Oh, I mean, that, that I can't wait either. Um, help us out, though. What, what happened where you had that aha moment of this is what I want to do, right? So there, talk to us a little bit about that moment for you. Or did it just kind of evolve? Yeah, exactly. You know what? I think sometimes we, we go about looking for this aha moment or something that's going to just transform everything and a light bulb is going to go off and we're going to say, that's my passion. That's what I want to do. 
But I don't think that's what it was for me. For me, it was this slow grinding journey through which I discovered every single day of my life confirming that this is what I'm going to be doing for many, many years to come. I can't say for the rest of my life, but I know at least from where I stand now, this is where I'm going to be for the, for, for the next several years. And, and I think what happened through that journey was every day when I, when I facilitated learning experiences, when I facilitated training programs, I realized I was using activities. I realized I was using games. There were mini games, fun games, different types of games along the way. And, and I realized what if I could use what I'm doing and, and really focus in on what's that one thing that's transforming a learning experience and, and just focus on that, which was game development, game design. And, and I got, really got into that, rolled up my sleeves. One of, the, one, of the, uh, one of our clients gave me an opportunity to build a game, saw the proof of the pudding, and really put in the work to ultimately build a number of games that have now won, won awards. That's fantastic. I'm super excited. I think um, the idea and concept of gaming is is fantastic and great. Um, We've kind of dumbed it down a little bit with this notion of gamification, right? Which has added elements that I don't necessarily know. I mean, they're good, but it really doesn't get to what I think you're going to talk about. And I can't wait to... uh, to learn about it. Without further ado, everybody, let's go ahead and dive into our topic of the week. Okay, topic for the week. Mosin is here. Uh, He's super smart, and we're going to be talking about games for learning. So, Mosin, drop some knowledge on us. Um, Why games? Why games? Wow. Uh, Games are... Um, a place where people get to be themselves, where the rules indicate you could do whatever you want as long as you abide by the rules within the game environment. I'll give you a a quick little example, right? Um, A mother trying to feed the child. Uh, We've all done the choo-choo train. We've all seen the airplane, right? That comes the spoon, goes into the mouth of the child. and Right, exactly. So, so what is that? What the parent did in that moment was turned a boring routine activity of feeding or, or eating for the child into a game. And the child plays along. And through that process, the, the parent created what you would call the magic circle. And inside this magic circle, there are three elements. There's the player, there's the toy, And there's the interaction, the rules that the player and the toy are interacting with one another through. And and that creates a game. It's as simple as that. So why games? You can literally take a game and implement it in any environment. It doesn't have to be learning. It doesn't have to be entertainment. It can be anything at all. And there is a stark difference between games for learning and gamification. I love that breakdown of the magic circle, um, the player toy interaction, making it that simple, but that significant. Um, I don't know if we've heard it broken down that way. No, no, I don't think we have it. And that's awesome. Magic circle, new to me. Write it down, folks. Use it in a sentence sometimes this week and sound smart like Mosin. 
<laughs> it's not mine, by the way. It's it's Johan Huizinga who wrote this many, many years ago, decades ago. And and it's such a simple concept, yet so powerful, like Abby said. It, and the interaction is where the game design happens. It's what you do, what the player does with the toy that changes the game. For example, you could play basketball, a game of basketball, and the rules define how you play, right? If you're playing donkey or whatever other horse, right? You're playing by a different set of rules versus if you're playing knockout or versus if you're playing uh, just a regular game of basketball, team A versus team B, right? And the interaction, the, the toy remains the same, the players remain the same, but the rules, the interaction between the player and the toy changes everything. So love that, love the magic circle. If we're going to be thinking about games in learning, so what are some of the things we should be thinking about, right? So I think that, you know, I want to add a game to my learning, but what should I be thinking about and, and, and what's that process look like um, from, a, from a gaming design and delivering perspective within a learning environment? Yeah, I think one of the first questions learning professionals have to ask themselves is, do I need a game? I mean, just because just because I want to make a, a learning experience more engaging doesn't mean the game is the answer, right? And and that's really the first place that any learning professional, any good learning professional, would start. And uh, and it would start with that considering: Do I need a game? And in what context can I use a game? So is my is my target audience type of people um, that will appreciate a certain type of game? And this is this is a, a I say this with a, a little bit of a disclaimer, because I say that every every type of audience will play a game. It's not the question is not will my audience play the game. The question is what type of game will my audience play, right? And and really what we're answering is do they want to play casual games? Do they want to play serious games? Do they want to play games for entertainment? Do they want to play games to compete and to challenge their colleagues? What kind of game do they want to play? Understanding your target audience is a second uh, step towards perhaps getting started in that direction. And then, of course, it comes down to identifying what type of game or how can you use game elements or game mechanics into the game, uh, into the learning ecosystem. And I don't mean points, badges, and leaderboards, by the way, because that's the poster example of gamification, which gamification is a lot broader and bigger than just points, badges, and leaderboard. I'm writing currently, writing a series of, of posts or, or articles on LinkedIn with the hashtag 21 game mechanics to help learning professionals understand how game mechanics can be leveraged uh, in order to influence learning design. I, I love how you're separating out like gamification and games. I think a lot of times people get so excited about this idea of, of games, but they get lost with gamification. Like I can't tell you how many times I've had a leader or somebody come to me and be like, yeah, yeah, let's put some badges on it. Like we'll, we'll turn it into a game. And it's like, uh, that's not a game. <laughs> no, no, no. It's badges. It, it's, it's gamification. It, it, it's, it's a game. We'll turn learning into a game. It's like, no, no, mm, 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 uh, not quite. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. And Mosin, um, I saw on your website, uh, I got to play your game and then I went and checked out your website. Very impressed. I'll talk more about it later. But one of the things I saw was 
someone had asked you something along the lines of like, how will I know? How can I be sure games will always work? Um, and you had a great answer for that. Will you talk about talk about that a little bit? Yeah, sure. Um, and, and this is a very common question, Abby. I get this all the time, which is how do I, how do I, what kind of guarantee um, can you offer me for using games that we know it's going to work for what we're trying to do? And and you know, I think the most straightforward answer is is what you're doing working right now. Because if it were, then you wouldn't be talking to me. <laughs> but but we can't always answer that way to our clients, right? So that's not the message here. Uh, the message what I'm trying to convey is really that. Games provide an opportunity for us to gain experience. We learn through our experiences. We live our lives. Every single day of our lives, we are gaining experiences. And our actions today are a result of our experiences of the past. And what we've gained from knowledge, wisdom, translation, it's also meaning making along the way. So, so, So you had an experience, whether it was good or bad, you made some sense out of it. If you didn't process it, you didn't process it. Nothing happened, nothing came out of it. But if you did process that experience, you either learned that this is something you should be doing more of, or this is something I shouldn't be doing more of, right? Or this is another way of doing what I did, right? And that's the that's the wisdom from that experience that you've gained. And what games allow us to do is accelerate that process of gaining experience through our own actions, seeing the consequences of our choices, our decisions, our, our, our interactions. And as a result of that, we're able to gain the wisdom through the processing. And that wisdom ultimately influences our decision-making, the things we do on a day-to-day basis. So if you really are looking for a quantified way of, you know, this is the ROI of using this game. You're not going to get that. I don't think anybody can promise that. But what we can promise is that we can create more and more meaningful experiences for learners through which people can create shifts in their mindsets and gain wisdom through which they can influence their decision. I hope that that sums it up. I think it's a great answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty solid answer. <laughs> I was going to say, I love that idea at, I'm a huge proponent of of creating experiences over just like traditional knowledge transfer. So to to tie like game games and how they work to building an experience like just resonates deep with me. I love that. So let me ask you this. I'm building the course. I want to make it special. I want to make it more than um what I normally do. So hey, I want to I want to let's build a game. How do I do that? Where do I start? Yeah, man, I, I have, there are so many resources. I think the first place you've got to start is, is really starting with your mindset. You, you've got to, and, and that's, I think that's the biggest deterrent to using games for learning, whether it's gamification, whether using points, badges, leaderboards, which can be done beautifully as well, right? Don't get me wrong. They can be done well and can be used beautifully if designed well, if designed good, proper intent, and proper instructional design. So with that said, first thing I think professional needs to work on is their mindset. I'll give you an example. I've been working with a client of mine, and over the last, uh, over the last five months, we've been deploying uh, this game into their ecosystem. And it's a game 
gamification, gamified LMS, if you will. Uh, and and we've we've gamified various parts of the LMS. LMS. There there is actual game components within the ecosystem. People are actually playing. People are actually interacting with one another. There's all of that happening. There's also learning happening. There's also content uh, dissemination happening. There's also content consumption happening through that process. Now, one of the things that that they've been struggling with is onboarding new members. And and one of the biggest challenges that they're facing uh, is how do we get these people to understand the rules and mechanics of this game? Uh, because if they don't understand the rules and mechanics of these game of this game, one of the things that happens is people are disengaging and they're leaving the game midway and walking away. And through through going back and forth, and you know, we fixed the, the UI, we made this better, we made that better, and we ultimately created an entire onboarding process to help new learners come on board and understand how the game works, how the mechanics works, and, and, and all of that. Do you know the percentage of increase in the number of people prior to doing this versus after having done this? What's the difference? In, in how many more people were onboarded into the process, into the game ecosystem. 3%. After doing all of that, after building the, the ecosystem and the onboarding process and all of that, we found that there was only a 3% increase in the number of people that were getting onboarded prior to doing all of this to after having done all of this. And when we, when we deep dive into this, this issue, it really starts with helping learners understand the mindset that you're not getting into a, an, an, another LMS because that's what the mindset is that people are getting into this ecosystem. You're not getting into another LMS. You're getting into a game. You're getting in here to have fun. You're going to learn, but that's going to be a byproduct. You're going to come here and have some fun. Take a break. You're working too hard. Take a break and have some fun. But that first, before we communicate that to our learners, We've got to first internalize that ourselves, because as long as we don't internalize it, our communication to the learners is going to be join the LMS, join this this new learning platform, which is gamified. You know what I mean? And and so if there's one single most important thing that that you're building a learning program, where do I begin? What how do I do this? Change your mindset. Start with fun. Think about it and communicate it from a standpoint of fun. How can I make this more fun? And how can I communicate, convey it in a way that every part of my initiative speaks the language of fun? Abby, do you remember how I introduced you to the invite of coming into the game? So it was really cool. Um, we, I don't remember. I think Mosin reached out to me on LinkedIn. I don't know how we how we crossed paths, but um, he said, "Look, I I do these games. I know you're into learning." Um, how would you like to come try the game? And I was like, yeah, okay, cool. I'll, I'll, I'll do that. I, I'd like to see what it's like. I said, could you tell me a little bit about it? And he goes, well, I mean, I could, or you could just like try it out and see what you think. Um, how adventurous are you? And I was like, and to be quite honest, I'm a very like unadventurous <laughs> risk averse person in general, but I was like, <laughs> I'm going to lean in. I'm going to give it a chance. Uh, so I I opted for don't tell me too much. Just I'll just sign up and we'll see how it goes. And honestly, I'm glad I did. That was enough introduction to say like, are you open to trying this thing? Are you open to um, being curious and being surprised? 
it was, I can't, I can't tell you enough. Like it was just the right amount. And I have been to so many things where they completely overdo it and it didn't need that, but it was clever. It was playful. It was, it was a great introduction. And, um, I'm so excited to talk about the game itself. I don't want to jump the gun here, but like that was that was a great introduction. So just just to kind of sum that up, what I what I basically did was I gamified that and I turned it into you get to take so so everybody has watched Matrix. So I use a little bit of that knowledge that people already have, and this is information people already are working with. So I said, You you want the blue pill or the red pill? The red pill, you take it. I don't I tell you nothing. Okay, I give you the sign-up link. You sign up, you get into the platform, you show up, all right? That's the red pill. And then you experience it, and then you talk about it. We will we'll discover what comes out of it. Or the blue pill, the safer bet. I give you all the information that you need up front, and you choose what, what you choose to do. And the number of people take red pill is incredible. I no longer have to explain the game. I no longer have to do all of that. And so much of, there are some people that will take blue pill, and that's all right. There's nothing wrong with that. But the number of people that take red pill because they want to play, they want to engage, they want to interact. And there's a sense of playfulness that just takes over that communication, that invite. Otherwise, it can sound like a, a boring, you know, networking sell upsell that I'm trying to do, trying to sell something to somebody. But if I turn it into a game, it just becomes so much more palatable. Which one of you, what would you guys have chosen, Dan and Scott? I bet you guys would have. In blue pill, oh, red pill, red, red pill, pill, all the way. Sure. Yeah, red pill, all you know. I, you said you said something like, "Hey, like we got to make things fun first. and I love that. Like, I can't tell you how many times I've I've been working with like a team, and I've been like, "Fun first, fun second, learning third. And uh, as I'm sure there are some learning and development folks who just went out there. Uh, and but like, I I think as an industry, we've gotten very complacent because like most of our audience is is a captive audience we're paying them to take the training they're getting paid while on company dime to take the training that gets made and so we go okay cool i've got to transfer this fact this fact this fact and this fact and I, they have to know how to do this so there you go i built the training it's done and we don't worry about fun or the experience or any of that because they're going to take the training because you know they're getting paid to so box check done and i hate that i hate that uh, about like the profession and i hate that like mode of thinking like I, I i think we should be making training that people would stop what they're doing and be like oh i want to take that and i think that's something that you're doing and i love that talk to us a little bit about um multiplayer ecosystems um you've got the single player game experience which is fun but holy smokes there's this big community out there that um they're playing fortnite Billions of people playing Fortnite right now, and dare I say there might be, well, there's a lot of smack going on, but there's some learning going on there too. Help us understand the difference between the two and the value of, say, a multi-player um, ecosystem in a game environment. Wow, you've, you've hit the chord um, with me on this one because I'm, I am the multiplayer guy when it comes to, to games because I find so much value in, in multiplayer ecosystems that it is is just not the same as single player. Yes, single player has its own merits. It has its own, own, own value for what it can do. I've, I prefer single player games personally, but when it comes to learning, I would, I would opt for a multiplayer game any day. Uh, and, and a couple of reasons. Number one for me would be the social appeal. 
and and you're really able to leverage the community's effort, community, the power of the community to enable learning. Uh, going back to the example of experience, right? Um, you can play a single player a game and you can gain a singular experience. When you play a multiplayer game, you're creating the opportunity to gain knowledge and transform that into wisdom from multiple people and, and in real time. Because what I'm doing is affecting you in the game environment, just like real life. And what you're doing is affecting me and maybe somebody else in the game environment as well. And when the game is over, we can talk about how that felt for me or what that did for me or didn't do for me. And that enables teamwork. It can enable interaction. It can enable communication. And more than anything else, it enables you the ability to interact with one another, understand how your actions are affecting another person which I think we are in a dire need of today. We need more compassion in today's world. We need more empathy in today's world. We need people to be able to see things from another person's perspective. We need more of that. And what better environment than a game environment to do something like that, where it, there's, no, there's no consequence. Nobody's, nobody's going to fire you if you failed the game or if you did it wrong. You know, no, you're not going to lose a million dollars if you did it wrong but you will learn a million dollars worth of lessons. Yeah. I had a chance to play Mosin's game. It was a multiplayer and I, I'm going to take a few minutes to just talk about my experience because it was remarkable. Um, it was about an hour of gameplay. He introduced us a little bit to some of the concepts we'd be um, working through before we started. It was with folks from literally around the world. So, um, that was pretty interesting. People I'd never met. After the game, first of all, it went by so fast and it was really deeply engaging. Like all of us when it was over, were like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe our time is up. It went by so quickly. Um, I was shocked at how well we worked together that you couldn't play the game and win unless you played together. Um, that uh, we really learned about each other. That our communication developed incredibly organically and really rapidly. Um, that it wasn't just about um, how we did each element, but the game changed throughout the game as well. And so we had to adapt with it and it all happened so naturally. So I mean, I feel like I'm rambling, but it was so incredible um, that not only could Mosin explain to us like, show us how we could work together and where opportunities were. But like, it wasn't just we were playing at the same time. We were truly playing together, which is something I haven't really seen multiplayer games do and certainly not do as effectively as I saw in this game. When we ended that game, we were a team. And these were people I had never met before that were literally across the world and we knew each other. We had a pretty good idea who could do what well, where our gaps were. Had we played again, we would have crushed that game <laughs> in the second round. I'm sure of it. But um, I was so incredibly impressed with um, that team um, environment that developed so quickly in an hour. Um, and I really learned a ton about myself, too. Uh, so 
I I was blown away and thoroughly impressed. Wow. Mosin, what's the name of the game that we're talking about? And then uh, secondly, what, what, what was your objectives when you designed it? Sure. The name of the game is Evive. And, and it actually is a, is a culmination of two words, evolve and thrive. So when you, when you merge these two words, you get Evive. And that's where we, we got the name from. Uh, because we believe the game helps learners evolve and thrive uh, by, by playing the game by simply playing and, and reflecting. Um, to your second question, where what were my objectives when I first built this game? Um, my original objective for this game was collaboration. I wanted people to, when they play this game, to recognize that collaboration uh, is a very, very key part of workplace um, productivity. and that they needed to collaborate, but to do that, they need also alignment and they need to communicate with one another to align. Um, and, and, and through the process of the game, there were there are opportunities for them to compete against one another as well. So, so really more than anything else, what I, what I wanted to do was create an opportunity for learners to, to take decisions, make choices, and see the consequences of their decisions. And, and that was the idea. And, and I think as game designers and as learning designers who are building game mechanics, there's a huge responsibility of this. Because when we are building games uh, for learning and we are instilling consequences of choices in that game ecosystem, we are in a way subconsciously helping learners wire and rewire their mindset in terms of if I do A and B, then C is going to be the result that I will get. And if that C is unethical, then, then we have a problem. So, so, and if that A and B is unethical to receive a C reward, which is based on something unethical, uh, then we have a problem. And, and that's why as game designers, we have that responsibility of building games that are, are ethical in nature. Um, so yeah, so that those were some of my, my initial ideas when, when designing. And Mosin, one other part that was really remarkable about your game that I didn't really talk about just a second ago, but uh, your facilitation of it. And um, that's something I generally don't see. Usually when we think about gamification, we think about it as like a hands-off solution to engagement, right? Like I'll put these elements in place so that um, it re replaces the experience of having like a personal interaction. That's not really your approach. And I think it's the reasons you do it are really clever. Talk us through that. Yeah, I do this. I do this specifically with Evive. Uh, so, so. We've got we've got two games. I've built two games. One is Evive. The other one is called Superhero Within. And Superhero Within is a uh, is an asynchronous game which which doesn't require any facilitation. Uh, but Evive, on the other hand, is a facilitated game, and it's built for learning practitioners. It's built for facilitators who can use the game to facilitate different types of learning. Um, the reason behind making it a facilitated game is to make it more universal, allowing the facilitator the ability to 
to run the game and debrief it in a, in a range of different ways. So I've seen facilitators facilitate the game in for, for collaboration, communication, for problem solving, for decision making, for dealing with VUCA, for, for strategic thinking, for project management. Another one of our, our facilitator partners uses it for coaching conversations. Another one does it for emotional intelligence. So the range becomes so much wider because the control and the power is in the hands of the facilitator, allowing them the opportunity to debrief the game in, in any way that they want. Uh, and this comes from my philosophy of, of making the game just something that creates consequence or provides the visual opportunity to see the consequence of the decisions that people are making. And, and that, that is also vested in the idea of letting them play the game and then see the results, create rich data, rich learning, uh, rich interaction opportunities through which it can be debriefed in any different way. When you think about, you know, ROE, return on expectations, I mean, games become really critical, right? And part of, I think, great design in any learning is to really be thinking about that kind of stuff up front. So when you specifically look at, you know, Evive and Superhero Within, which I'm going to play right after this. Like I'm going to go ahead and play this, right? Uh, what you know? What what are our goals? I mean, what what are some of the goals that you built into those uh, experiences? And then more importantly, like what's been the result of the you know? Like we can all throw a goal out there. We want this to happen, and if it doesn't happen, fine. We can go ahead and learn from that. So talk a little bit about the goals of your games, and then uh, the results that you've seen. And if you had to make any adjustments to to make it better, wow! Uh, adjustments are an ongoing process. I mean, you're you're always making adjustments. You're always making improvements. Uh, there's no such thing as a perfect implementation of anything for that matter, right? Uh, and so, so looking at at both of these games, uh, we have always had our ears to the ground, listening to the players, listening to uh, people who who experience the game and and making changes, but yet using discretion because not everything they say is a change that needs to be made. Uh, for example, one of the one of the things that that I heard a lot very early on with Evive was that this game is frustrating, uh, this game is 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 challenging, or this game uh, is um, is leaving me confused or makes me anxious. And these are all negative, usually negative emotions that we we identify with. Uh, but but that's exactly the purpose of the game. That's what the game is meant to do. It's meant to confuse you. It's meant to, you know, make you anxious. It's meant to do all of those things because only then is the natural behavior going to surface. That's the purpose of that game. That sounds like Dan. Dan loves making people uncomfortable, don't you? <laughs> it sounds bad when you say it like that. <laughs> Yeah, Dan Sorry, and I have another conversation around around sadism and how we can, you know, just just make it hard for them so that they can ultimately draw the learning for the greater good. <laughs> I worked with somebody one time, and uh, they had a lot of interest in building games for learning, and uh, the the way they described it was Dark Souls training, <laughs> like just as just as cruel and capricious as possible. And I'd be like, uh, I don't, I don't know if that's a great idea. <laughs> oh yeah. 
I mean, our learning experiences used to be excruciating. They've gotten much better now in the virtual world because now we know that people can just switch switch off and close the browser window and leave. So we're being a little bit nicer. But back in the day, maybe maybe a couple of years ago, when we used to have people facilitated classroom learning experiences with games, man, we we made it hell. It was so so excruciating, and they couldn't go anywhere. That was the best part, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but the learnings were just as powerful. That's the thing, right? It, it, the, the more painful that experience, the more powerful the learning will be, um, as long as we're able to draw the connection, as long as we're able to make draw meaning-making for the learner. It's not just about you know inflicting pain. That's not the point. The, the point is to draw, convert, like I was saying earlier, convert that experience, that insight into wisdom. For, for what that means to you and for, for what that means to how you play the game and how you interacted with each other. I love what you just said about making it painful. And I, and I love you. You took it that far. Um, I don't know if I would have taken it that far, but I, I love it. I love um, your approach to that. The, you know, next week we're going to be talking a little bit more about, um, you know, making learning hard and learning should be hard. Cause I feel like all of us uh, in ID, we get into the space of here's what I need to teach. How do I make it as easy as possible for my learners? But from a stickiness perspective, from a learning durability perspective, learning needs to be hard because that's how we learn. And so many times we don't take the risk of making learning hard and making it so hard that our learners will fail, but fail in a safe environment. Like I want my learners to fail in a safe environment because you know what? The real world isn't so nice when we fail, right? And so I, I love that intentionality of this needs to be an experience and it's not going to be easy, right? Because I'm not going to get the aha moment from that. Um, and my my audience will appreciate it. Thoughts on I that? Think, I think games are are the perfect place to do that to, to Mosin's earlier points, because I think you can make things harder in a game and people are willing to still engage with it instead of just saying it's hard. I'm not enjoying it. Like in a game, there's something worth doing that is personal and safe. Um, and I don't know if you can make things as hard as you can as in a game uh, without those incentives. Yeah. And I love that we're talking about, about safe, right? One of the things that I, say to a lot of our, our participants that join us in playing this game is that is that I'm going to promise you safety as you experience the next hour or so. I'm going to promise you safety, but I will assure you that it will not be comfortable. So I'm promising you safety, but not comfort. Sadly, we're coming to uh, near the end of our show. Um, I hope that we can get back together and talk because I have learned a ton. And I love learning. Um, we're all learning nerds here. But before we wrap up, Mosin, what are some things that we didn't get a chance to talk about that you really want to make sure our audience hears from you today? This is your, this is your opportunity to kind of wrap things up and, and tie a nice big bow on this gaming experience you've had this morning. Yeah, I think one of the things that, that I would love to, to, to offer to our audience is to play the game. And, and, you know, we can drop a link uh, somewhere wherever they can see the description of this and, and play the game, experience it firsthand, because uh, there's nothing quite like experiencing a multiplayer uh, game for learning. So that can 
that you with that you can make a lot of connections in terms of how you can use games for learning. Um, the other thing I'd like to say is just just start. You know, don't worry about if you're trying to build a game, if you're trying to use game elements into a, an existing learning design, just do something. Take small risks and and implement it. See the change. See, see the shift from the the decisions and choices you're making. And but don't wait to build something that was that that's going to be a full fledged game. Just get started. Uh, my first game that I built had zero budget. We built the game using WhatsApp and uh, Microsoft Excel. And 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 don't forget, all you need is the player, the toy, and the rules. So really, the rules is what makes the game. The player you already have. The toy can be anything. In my case, it was WhatsApp. It can be it can be a Google slide for that matter. Right. Or it can be now you've got so many collaborative tools, like so many whiteboarding tools that you can literally build a game. It's what really makes a difference is the, is the design. So think a little bit about the design, build something simple and just deploy it. Have fun with it and, and don't take it too seriously. You know, I mean, you're not going to you're not going to lose anything major. Just have fun with it. And as long as people are having fun, you're going to do all right. And that's the bottom line, cost And guys, take Mosin up on his offer. I've played this game. I'm telling you, go do it. It is so good. You're going to be impressed. You're going to leave happy. Go try it. Yeah, Mosin, why don't you go ahead and tell the audience where they can find more of you? Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, that's where I'm most active. So so we can drop a link to my, my LinkedIn where you can follow me. I I write on a regular basis about games, game design, and the intersection between human behavior, games, and learning. So, so I'm, I work right at the center of these three uh, circles. And so you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, you can check out my, my organization that I represent called Gamitar at gamitar.com, G-A-M-I-T-A-R.com. And you can check out both of our games, Evive and Superhero Within. You can even just type Evive on Google or Superhero Within on Google and stuff about us. Well, thank you, sir. I am, a, I am a three or four barrels full smarter this morning, and uh, it's because of you. Folks, please, please, please do yourself a favor. Go to GameAtar.com. Check out these games. Learn some stuff, and then be inspired like I am today to apply some of those ideas uh, into your learning. Daniel-san. Yes, Scott. Could you do me a solid and tell our listeners how they can get more of us? All right, party people. If you haven't already, hit us up at email at learningnerdscast at gmail.com. Email us any questions you have. Join in the discussion. Tell us what Halloween theme you've got rocking this year. That's what we really want to know. If you're on Facebook, you can find us at Learning Nerds. Like us, participate in the conversation. And for all you Instagram folks, you can find us Fab Learning Nerds. Share what groovy learning stuff you've got. Share your Halloween costumes. Again, that's what we really care about here. <laughs> Any way you can, reach out. We'd love to hear from you. Scott. Hey, folks, that's going to be it for today's episode. I want to thank our good friend Mosa Memon. Go check out his awesome stuff. Do me a favor, hit subscribe on this podcast. Share it with your friends. If you're getting it on a podcatcher app like iTunes or Stitcher, leave us a review. It helps us get our word out there and make us better because that's what we want to do. And with that, I'm Scott. 
I'm Dan. I'm Abby. And I'm Lucy. And we're your fabulous learning nerds, and we are out.